Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 46th episode. As a mental performance coach, I get the honor to work with athletes and teams to enhance their mental game and unlock their full potential. You know, in the drive in creating 90% Mental is basically to bring awareness around mental performance within sport by interviewing athletes and coaches so they can talk about their perspectives and stories with regards to the mental game. But for the most part, there's so much to talk about within the world of sports when it comes to mindset. So today I have Penelope Yamauchi, VP of Sales for Athletes to Careers, and who is a former collegiate Division I swimmer. She's going to share her story as an athlete and how it prepared her for her life's calling, which is helping athletes transition out of sports into careers. Not only is she going to talk about her competitive stories as a swimmer when she was competing at the Olympic trials, she's also going to share about success stories of athletes who she's helped transition into the workforce. And I'll tell you what, all I say to my listeners, if you know athletes that are looking to transition out of sport or need any guidance with their career, Penelope's the one. So without further ado, let's go talk to Penelope. Hey, Penelope, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You bet. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I can't wait to talk about life after sports and how you help athletes get jobs and giving them the appropriate coaching resources for them to move forward out of sports. So really excited to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I feel thrilled to be able to help people reach their potential outside of their sport and understand that the adversity they face their entire life is so transferable to their potential in the career force. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, before we get into what you're doing with Athletes to Careers, I'm always going to ask you my favorite question, and then we're going to talk a little bit about just your athletic background, because I think that's important, and in what you've done in your collegiate career is pretty cool, too. So, my favorite question, what does mentally tough mean to you? Mentally tough to me means the ability to apply discipline towards the things that you don't want to do on a daily basis with consistency. For example, at a very early age in swimming, Starting out five years old, it was just fun. It quickly turned into something very competitive. And I remember my mother coming home age 14 and telling me, I just went to a swim clinic with an Olympic coach. And he told me that if you can kick 15 meters underwater off of each wall, every single time you're in practice, you will get a full ride anywhere you want to go. Wow! And I took that same mentality into my discipline with my classwork, with my swimming, and now into my career where... I practice doing the, the things I don't want to do first <laughs> and find the ability to overcome it in the moment and tackle it head on without hesitation. Beautiful. I love it. I love the tenacity. Now, with your career in mind, your swimming career and diving, was there, can you share a moment where that, that moment where you were mentally tough? Absolutely. The moment to me that really shines out you would think that, you know, I've been on this stage of the Olympic trials, competed at a high level amongst Olympians and the most elite athletes in the world. But one that stands out to me is in a moment of pride when you're the most broken down. Mm. I remember my junior year at the dual meet versus ASU versus UCLA. It was all women. Typically you have the women compete and then the men alternate in between. And I competed in the 400 individual Bentley as well as the last leg on the relay. Wow. So I'm expected to close. <laughs> and uh, my coach came up to me, she said, Penelope, not only do you need to win 
this 200 individual medley, but right after you're done with that 200 individual medley, you're going to jump into the relay and we need you to close. We need you to win. The points are head to head. So I remember jumping out of the pool, finishing the 400, the 200 I am strong and I'm exhausted at this point, not rested completely just in my own head and around my teammates ready to tackle this relay. And I see one of the UCLA girls step out of the pool and she said, don't worry, we're going to beat them. She just got out of the water. And to me, I'm motivated by that chip on my shoulder and <laughs> people's doubt in my ability. So, uh, I closed off the relay strong. I was able to come out with the win by like a hundredth of a second. And in that specific moment, it's not about you. It's about the team yeah. and the toughness and the discipline that you put in together up until that point to achieve the goal. For sure. That's awesome. I yeah. love that story. Now you, you completed or you competed at the D1 level at, at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. When you think about when you practice and even when you were competing, can you describe what your mindset was? My mindset during practice was one where I took pride in pushing myself beyond a physical limit that I thought capable, mm. that I was capable of. Love it. So um, the preparation towards practice, I was always made fun of for the amount of time I spent on the foam rolling, stretching, um, going to bed at nine o'clock, you know, drinking enough water, getting prepared for those moments so that when I did want to push myself in practice beyond the physical limits that I had pushed before, that it was possible. But if you go into the most difficult part of swimming training, you reflect on those times during Christmas training workouts where you're more than double days. You don't have class during the day. Mm. You have to find a way to, to physically push through. And it's about convincing yourself and reminding yourself that the ultimate goal is more important than the, the pain you're experiencing at the moment. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's funny with swimmers. I, I don't know how you do it where you wake up so early in the morning and you jump into a cold pool, like, you know, <laughs> it does not get old. Yeah. And our, our coach too, she in college, Dorsey Tierney Walker, she was the head coach for both men and women. And I, she wasn't the coach that recruited me, but she had um, a former national championship winning team prior to coming to Arizona state. And every morning she'd walk in there and she'd rattle off the warm up to us in one sentence. If you didn't get it, then you had to practice it and ask your teammates, figure out what it was. But one of her rules was every wall that you go through for your first 500, you're not allowed to breathe in and out of the flags. So you had to dive underneath the water at the flags, mm. kick underwater, do your flip turn underwater and come out. So <laughs> really the, the getting in the pool part, once you've gotten there, your head's already moving to the next task. Got it. In the warm up. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow. Very uncommon for yeah, very the much. people that I've spoken to. But I, I bet it made you guys better swimmers. Absolutely. Uh, More mentally tough. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. When it comes to motivation, when you think about uh, your career as a swimmer, and also now as a professional, what, what motivates you? Is it different, or did you have two different types of motivation? Growing up, I always knew that college was an aspiration that I had for myself and both my sisters. I'm the middle of three sisters. We all had goals of going to college, but there wasn't a fund set aside for us to be able to do so. And I knew that swimming would be a great ticket to have that opportunity to have my scholarship, get a great education, and then launch that into my career. And when I look back at the motivation of actually getting the scholarship within a top tier team in the country... I realized that I didn't see it past that goal. Mm. And I told myself at that time, I would never pursue something where I hadn't created a goal that felt 
too far beyond my reach that I really would never achieve it because in my career now I've gotten to a point where I feel like I've achieved the things I've set out to do and I need to keep pushing farther beyond that. What's next? What's next? What's next? So for me in my career and the motivation that comes from what's to come is not how much money I can make. You know, can I own a Tesla and a home in the Berkeley Hills? It's how many people can I inspire around the world to reach their potential and never feel the way that I felt when I was transitioning out of athletics and into my career, trying to rediscover what my strengths were and who would appreciate those strengths. Right. I love it. It's um, playing a bigger game. Right. Yeah. It took me a little bit. A while after I graduated to get that, but obviously this is what I'm doing right now, right? It's playing a bigger game, so that's awesome. Thank you. Now, the Olympics. When you were when you were competing at ASU, obviously you qualified in 2012 for the Olympic trials. Was your motivation too when you were competing at the collegiate level? Was that your motivation too to to get into the Olympics? A and then B. What was it like when you qualified? So this is a very interesting story, and thank you for asking. The Olympic trials, it's very difficult to qualify for the Olympic trials. There's 120 people in each event, and of those 120, 16 make it to the first round of finals at the trials. The next round goes down to eight, and then the top two in each sport make the actual Olympic team. And typically in the sport of swimming, those top two are the best in the world. Wow. So you could be, uh, we have a lot of teammates that compete from Sweden, Japan, Brazil, Egypt, and they have the ability to be okay at swimming, but they don't necessarily represent the U.S. Olympic team. So going towards the approach to answer your question about was my goal to compete in the Olympics, at the time of of competing every single day and working towards a goal, I... And you can understand this as a mental performance coach. I didn't believe in myself. Mm. I didn't believe in my ability. I I doubted that the work ethic that I put in could ever lead to something like that. Wow. Uh, whereas Olympic trials was a goal that I could attach myself to. In 2008, I missed the Olympic trial qualifying time in three events by less than three-tenths of a second. And I remember feeling so crushed. I had already gotten the scholarship to Arizona State. I competed all throughout my senior year to qualify for those Olympic trials. And in those moments of failure, it allows you to learn so much about yourself, your motivation, your drive, your confidence, your ability to see creativity to fruition in your sport and then find a way to do that again. So I went through the journey of my next four years of college, junior and senior year. I'm training every single day, not really thinking about, oh, my dream after college is to compete in the Olympic trials. This is a dream of mine I've always wanted to accomplish. I'm focused on what's next. What (laughs) job am I going to get? How am I going to thrive in that job? And my sister and I both qualified for the Olympic trials at the same Santa Clara International meet together. Uh, and in that moment when it happened and I qualified only by a 10th of a second. So I'm at the bottom of the barrel, right? (laughs) And I'm just going there. Like, this is an amazing time somewhere where I get to have fun. And I remember getting to the trials. You're looking around, there's fire coming out of the ground. There's a waterfall backdrop with the Olympians name on it. Every time someone makes the team, they've got this athlete lounge with free food and massages. And you just 
you can't even believe that this is a part of the, the sport of swimming. Wow. And I remember Ryan Lochte was in the ready room the same time I was. It was the, the fastest men's heat combined with the slowest women's heat, which was my heat. <laughs> and I remember sitting there just soaking it all in, looking at the board when I walked out for the race. And the camera for the entire arena had zoom in on this sign that my mom and sisters had made for me saying, go Penelope. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, when I finished the race, you know, um, incredible experience being able to race amongst those elite athletes. I had a cap, a swim cap underneath my competition cap that said, thanks mom. And I took it off and she just started bawling. (laughs) Yeah. So it was was an exceptional experience in, in, in many ways. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. Before we start heading into athletes to careers, uh, when you think about reflecting on your career as a swimmer, mm-hmm. what do you think you learned the most about yourself? Throughout my career in swimming, I learned uh, confidence. There weren't a lot of areas in my upbringing that I had uh, confidence. In school, I, I struggled a lot with reading, writing, math. And when I would get to the pool, I felt like I had stepped into this arena of something that I'm good at. And that like consistency with the confidence and the ability to to establish rapport with people from all different walks of life who have different perspectives, taking that ability to do connect with so many different people is exactly what I'm doing in my career right now. (laughs) It's amazing. It's really incredible to see as at a young age, Oh, I'm practicing the sport of swimming. We were like, no, I'm building connections with some of the most successful people in the world and have the opportunity to understand where they came from and how that launched them into what they're doing now. Beautiful. Beautiful. So when you decided to, to move on from sports, how was that, that transition for you? It was tough. (laughs) It was so tough. You know, this resonates with so many athletes. So many of us go through that transition with as much procrastination and distraction from actually committing to something because we don't, for the first time, we don't know the answer. We don't know who to speak to, how to actually get an interview with only student athlete on your resume. Right. And this is kind of sad, but I remember waking up one day when I had been weeks and weeks of getting rejected from interviews or not getting interviews at all. And I, I had a really good dream and I woke up from the dream and I'm like, this life today does like, I would rather go back to that dream than experience this day. And if mm. I could do anything in my life, my purpose and inspiration for the job that I do now, it's to make sure that any athlete doesn't feel that way in their transition. And it doesn't just start with the job. It also starts with the community that you build. Are you volunteering? Are you a part of some sort of athletics community that you got to experience while you were still in, in school competing? And then, um, how are you now challenging yourself to opening up your eyes to all the amazing things this world has to offer that you didn't get to do yeah. when you were spending, you know, four hours a day staring at the black line on the bottom of the pool <laughs> and in the weight room, it's like, Oh, salsa dancing, golfing, hiking. There's so many incredible things to experience in life that as a student athlete, you are so focused on your sport um, and what's currently happening and the goals you're currently attached to that you realize wow, I have such a great opportunity to become an amazing, well-rounded person now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you're the, you're the vice president for Athletes to Careers. Tell me a little bit about Athletes to Careers. 
Yes, Athletes to Careers is an organization focused on placing former athletes either at the professional or the collegiate level into their career once their competitive sport comes to an end. So we develop relationships with companies who are interested in hiring athletes, investing in their skill set, training them, and then developing them into future leaders within the company. So my job is to develop um, really meaningful relationships with the schools in my market. I'm here in the Bay Area. We have career coaches all over the country who are dedicated to the same process of those relationships, develop uh, relationships with the coaches, and then help get in touch with the athletes and meet with them one-on-one to understand their story and help them transition into taking that story into an interview. Um, Everything that we do for the athletes is free as we're financed by our corporate partners. So if they, if that athlete gets a job with one of our clients, that client pays athletes to careers for introducing them. And what's great about this job is there's so many athletes who have had such a wonderful experience with our team that they want to refer their teammates and everyone that they know from club and growing up. So, um, it's a really rewarding job. Well, I love it. I, I wish when I, when I left college and, and was moving on from school or from my football team that you were there or a company was like that. Right. It's really cool. But it's interesting when you talk about confidence because you have these athletes that are, when they're on the field, on the court, at the pool, whatever the environment is, they are confident. But you you want them to bring that same confidence but into a different environment. Right. And once they get in that different environment, they're like, oh. Very yeah. interesting. I compare a lot of my coaching sessions to dating specifically um, in the close of an interview when you're finishing out and you're trying to set up those next steps, trying to figure out if you made it to the next round of interviews, um, thinking about, okay, uh, a lot of them will come to me and say, okay, what are the next steps? It's like, if you were in front of a girl and you wanted to get her number, you wouldn't just say, hey, can I have your number? You might go through the steps of like, it was great speaking with you. I really enjoyed learning about your involvement with athletics and, you know, your pursuit of excellence in, in your career after college. Um, and look, uh, while there are a lot of guys trying to get your number right now, I think that, um, there'd be a great opportunity for us to set up a time to explore one of those volunteer things together. Curious to know if you might be free next Thursday, because I have an event for a fundraising event that I'd like to go to if you want to come. Right. It's like, uh, same thing with interviewing. If you summarize why you're the best fit, the potential objections, you overcome those and then ask if there's any reservations about moving you forward. It's, it's more of a conversation like, look, I'm going to be candid. I want to know how I did. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. I, even when I've worked with, with athletes, you know, when you, when you teach them what, you know, teach them what they want, Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't know how to go after what they want, especially when you're working with someone that's a second string or third string, how do they actually have the gumption and the confidence to go up to coach and say, Hey coach, what do I need to do to start? Or what do I need to do to to get more playing time? Mm -hmm. It's no different when you get into the real world and you're working, you ask your boss, what do I need to do to get promoted? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to get a raise? Mm -hmm. So if you're teaching that mindset, at a younger age in high school and college, they can, it's transferable when they, when they get into the real life quotations. Um, so just to reflect on that, when they're in an athletic setting, the coach is always telling them what to do and when to do it. Mm. And for the first time in the career shift, you kind of have to take the initiative more, more often than you do in your athletic career. Absolutely. For sure. Now, from your perspective, What are some of the challenges that you're seeing with athletes dealing with this transition, moving on from sport 
I'm trying to find the, their, their first job. Mm -hmm. uh, biggest challenges are how do I get from point A to point B? And there's so much uh, fuzziness in between. So if I submit my resume to a company, rather than taking the initiative like they would in the recruitment process of sending in film, calling three or four times, <laughs> talking to buddies that are, yeah. you know, friends that compete for that team, and then following through that way by getting their foot in the door, they send the application and they hope to hear back for the interview. And it's the same throughout the interview process of getting that get candid feedback and having the follow-up. So there's a fine line between what the expectations are of them as a candidate interviewing for the job and what the company is expecting them. They're very different from an athlete's mindset. Mm. Oh, I'm bothering them if I follow up, you know, or um, they don't have enough practice actually articulating how their athletic examples are helping them in their, ultimately in their career. And another big struggle that they have is I've done sports my whole life and sports is what's comfortable to me and what I know. So therefore I want to go work for Nike. Mm, you know, it, I see it. that 70 <laughs> to 90% of the time. And, um, like, Oh, I have you talked to somebody that works in the sports industry. Typically those jobs are, you know, starting out lower salary. The applicants that are applying are far more experienced. Um, you might be doing a job that's below your skill set because you just want to get your foot in the door. Whereas as an athlete, you, you picked the best, most difficult club team so that you could compete for the best collegiate team or pro team. Yeah. And if you take it the, the steps back that way, why would you go into a job that's working below your skill set? You know, Good and point. so, Good point. And, and they start to realize, I'm like, well, do you want to compete? Yes, I do. Do you want to go somewhere where you have amazing leaders and coaches that push you to reach your potential? Yes, I do. Do you want to be amongst a team of high energy and resilient people who are also motivated by the energy you bring to the table? Yes, I do. Do you want to make a lot of money? <laughs> I mean, most, right. some, some <laughs> don't believe that they do, but you do, right? right. And, and when I focus on those things rather than, um, the, agonizing experience they've had sending their resume into a black hole for the job they think they want and then take those st like baby steps one you know it all all it takes is one conversation with one right person to get to the next step to the next step to the next step right and and then also applying the same tenacity towards the approach of follow-up got it i love it now i want to talk about process because this is important because i, I spent 12 years in the staffing industry and a lot of times, or generally speaking, candidates would get lost in the process, meaning that sometimes they wouldn't get, you know, no one would follow up with them, they wouldn't get feedback. And so there's a lot of credibility that can be lost when you're working with a candidate. Now, when you're working with these athletes, how connected are they with you throughout the process of going through getting hired? I hold their hands. Um... And I do put them under pressure in the mock interview before they go into an interview, but they are so connected with me. The morning that they wake up and they have an interview after we've already done our mocks and we've prepared and we've gone over things, we know where the location is, where they're going to park, mm. whether or not they um, sat around at a coffee shop the hour before, it's like I'm, I'm now a parent to them. Yeah. And walking them through the process, um, after the interview is done, the, the follow-up comes back to me. I reflect what were the toughest questions that you were asked? What was a question that you might have um, felt went well um, that you struggled with? And uh, what did they say to you when you closed out the interview? Yeah. Was it wishy-washy? And then how can we team up to address that objection in the follow-up thank you email? 
If you don't hear back after the follow-up thank you email, I'm asking my athletes to call the manager. Again, I, I have some it. managers who say, you know, Penelope, I won't return a phone call until they've called me three times. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. When you're, when you're on your end, I don't care who it is, you, you really have to walk them through the process because there's so many variables that, could, that can come up. And you want to make sure they're prepared for it from the very beginning to the very end. So that's very cool. Now, when an athlete works with you, obviously they're working with you as soon as they get done with school or they're done with their sport. As soon as they get a job, are they done with athletes or athletes to careers or do they, do they come back to you for their next job? That's a great question. Athletes to careers uh, stays very in close touch with our candidates from the, from the moment we meet them to our first quality meeting, really understanding their background and what they're interested in. We're developing a quality process that makes it feel like they've got a coach by their side every step of the way. So while maybe they come to me, they get the offer, they start the job. I know when their first, their start date is, I know, um, that I need to be checking in to see how things are going, if they have questions about how to communicate with their manager beyond that process. But there might be jobs where they go out there, they get a great skill set, they become a top performer, they're there for a year and a half, two years, and now they've outgrown the position and the opportunity for growth is either there and they're excited about it, or maybe they, they've realized, wow, I've put in this work and I've opened up a whole new tier of opportunities. Just like a junior college athlete might go the junior college route before going into the top tier team so they can Got get it. better. And so we do see that they come back to us. They'll send our, their referral, their friends to us. They'll have their coaches um, be aware of our, our program because like you said, they're so grateful to have someone like this in their transition out of athletics that it's important to know that they feel comfortable coming back for themselves and also for their friends. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Why do you think companies like hiring athletes? Companies love hiring athletes, not because of their accomplishments in their sport and the elite level of performance that they hit. They, they love uh, hiring athletes because of the habits they have practiced day in and day out. If you've practiced failure, if you've practiced um, having difficult conversations or working within a dynamic team to see an idea to fruition, you've you've practiced a lot of that more than the typical 22-year-old would graduating from college. And if the athlete can clearly articulate some of those stories and bring energy to each of those conversations and really get them to understand the experiences that they've been through that will allow them to um, have an advantage not only in the interview, but also the company's attraction towards them. I get to call so many of my hiring managers. I had a former NFL player from Arizona State University who played um, four years after he graduated. We, We competed together in college, and he started his job in outside sales. The manager calls me three, four months later, says, Penelope, thank you so much for sending him my way. I just wrote the largest commission check I've ever written in my career as a sales manager to him because he's my top performer. Yeah. And so all over the country, they're getting stories, athletes to careers. You should work with them. You should hire these athletes because they're so dedicated. Okay, coach, what's next? You know, how (laughs) do I figure out how to get better? Um, how, how does my performance measure against other people on the team? So that same competitive drive, the, for the case of the NFL football player that gets to run out on the field, hundreds of thousands of people cheering for them to compete. Yeah. They, I think a lot of athletes think that feeling is going to go away, but you can recreate that feeling in your Big career. Time. Yeah, Big time, for sure. 
Well, when you talk about stories, mm-hmm. um, obviously you just shared one, which is great. Is there any other success stories that you've experienced? Absolutely. I have my, our former intern, Carly Budd. She was a, a tennis player at Sonoma State University. We met her leading into her senior year. No true experience had been the first um, like younger team captain on her team. She was involved with a sorority, involved on campus, really a, just a go-getter, but no idea really of what she wanted to do in her career. And she was interviewing for a sales uh, consulting type of role for a big-time furniture company. So she's um, you know, negotiating with architects, building owners, um, people who are at the forefront of, of seeing their new business and their real estate come to life. And she interviewed, I think, five times, um, both in Southern California, back in NorCal over Skype, and in preparation for her final interview, she interviewed um, five VPs in the industry, got insight from all of them. And on this Skype interview, there's five people on the other side interviewing her to see if she's the one. And they're they're going into it like, oh, we've got a rookie. She, there's no way she has enough experience for this opportunity. Right. And she was a little bit nervous to bring up the fact that she talked to these other people in the industry. And she gets into that interview and at the very end, she goes, oh, wait, by the way, I talked to this person, this person, this person got this great insight. These are some of the ideas I would implement. And I know that you're taking a risk on my potential, but I promise you won't be, you won't be disappointed if wow. you give me a chance. Good. And I remember getting a call from the hiring manager saying like, you know, we were, we were on the fence up until that point, but I couldn't <laughs> believe like her maturity and conviction. how she, she, yeah, her conviction, her confidence. And that confidence carried over into Carly's performance, not just in the interview, but also, um, the follow-ups. She said, I did, I did my sales presentation. It was my first presentation ever. And they had me do it in front of the entire sales team oh my because gosh. mine, they like mine the most. And, <laughs> and she's had that, you know, consistent performance. And so those are the stories I really love where you have success with someone and they don't, they take the success not only through their interview, but also into the, into the job. That's awesome. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Any more stories? Yeah, no, I have, um, actually one guy who is the first to graduate in his family. Mm -hmm. Um, he grew up in Mexico and he, um, had the opportunity to go on recruiting trips to UCLA (laughs) and to Cal and uh, he remembered. Te- I remember him telling me um, my parents both work two jobs. You know, have siblings. Um, going to college and competing at the D1 level was always a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. And getting to do it at UC Berkeley, he he didn't take that opportunity lightly. Found ways to get better in the classroom, out on the field every single day. But in coming from you know growing up in Mexico and then moving to Compton and then going to Cal, it's kind of like this bubble. And I know a lot of athletes from very diverse backgrounds experience this where, okay, um, you know, my food's taken care of, my my schedule is all planned out, I know how to execute, and I'm going to go through this next blur of four years without really understanding what's to come after this because I'm so focused on my professional career. In his mind, he's probably thinking... I'm one of the best soccer players in the country at the collegiate level. I'll probably go and play professionally. And my understanding of, of that mentality in the, in the interviews with these athletes is that it comes from their parents and they're being taught by their coaches and everyone that surrounds them that the professional route is the only route. Mm-hmm. So many of these athletes, whether you're Tom Brady or you're the guy who that I just mentioned who played for four years, yeah. comes to an end at some point. You have to recreate for sure. how you're invigorated by your own success 
not just from like compensation and career path side, but what is your passion and what will you do? So um, in our first initial conversations, I'm meeting somebody who's so humble, who's so courageous to be able to go out on these interviews for the first time without really knowing what the business world looks like. And he, there was a mistake after his second interview where the the HR team had sent a note to me saying, we're not going to be moving forward with him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And typically what I like to do is expose them to multiple opportunities, but I found it such to be such a good match that I was like, you know, I'm going to let this one see it through before we approach another. And I remember giving him the feedback on the phone and he said, I, I discussed with my mom and she encouraged me that, you know, in the interim while I'm trying to figure out life after sports, like I need to go get a job. So I was like, literally he was joking around. I might go down to the dollar tree. And it's so <laughs> sad to me to think about how somebody who graduated from UC Berkeley, right. um, all the opportunity in the world, but whatever surroundings you're in at the, at the time, it feels like there's no resources to get from point A to point B. Yeah, sure. And that manager got back to me. He's like, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. That wasn't the feedback that's in my two and a half years doing this. I've never heard that where someone made a mistake before. Um, <laughs> and he came back to me. And so I called him. He's like, oh, all right, I'm so excited. I'm like, here's your next interview. He calls me on Monday, like all almost put me to tears because he ended up getting the job for this leadership Beautiful. development rotational program where he'll be learning every facet of the business so that he can be groomed into a branch management position. And um, stories like that where you feel like your involvement in their life has created really a profound influence on their future. Um, and if you weren't there, they wouldn't have had the same opportunities. So I love stories like that. Oh man, I love it too, <laughs> for sure. You talk about passion. Obviously, there's passion for you to do this. Yeah, I can see it. I can feel it. And I love it. Do you feel like this is this is what you're supposed to be doing? This is your calling, at least right now in your life? Do you, I mean, is that, is that fair to say? So, yes, absolutely. This is my calling. This is what... And defining your calling, I think, is something that people don't focus on. They might, they might focus on their goals financially or with their relationships or what they want in their life. Defining, um, what you're truly passionate about in your career is understanding how you serve others. Yeah. I've always been driven by serving others. Um, and that makes me happy. Um, and if I can, if I can utilize the platform that I've built in helping others and the network that I have right now, to build a stage to inspire more people all around the world to reach their potential, that would be um, a way that I would continue this passion for serving others and specifically athletes on a more global perspective. So I, I follow a lot of entrepreneurs and read a lot of books about you know how people started and how they launched their career. And there's so many of these stories where maybe some things happen happenstance for them, Maybe they had a connection that helped launch into their career, but you never hear the stories of the successful influencers that started with everything, <laughs> right. you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so inspired by the platform that I have now. Cause I feel like I'm kind of scrappy in a sense, like how do I now get this message to a larger stage? But opportunities like this to interview with you, <laughs> give me even more confidence towards that ultimate goal. Beautiful. Well, what you do is important. Uh, not only I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm saying that because I had to deal with life after football. I've seen a lot of friends. You see a lot of professional athletes. They have a hard time with this transition. People out there like you that are getting these athletes out of college, 
and giving them the right tools and resources and the coaching, it's, it's awesome. And I wish there was more people doing that. So thank you for being on my show to not only talk about your, your athletic journey and, and background, but sharing truly what you're doing for athletes right now. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I want to acknowledge you for, um, the way that you ask questions and extract stories from people that inspire them to reach their potential in whatever their pursuit is. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.